Once upon a time in a magical land of make-believe and mystery, there were two girls who dreamed that one day the stories they read in books would come to life. They often wondered what it would be like to see characters from those books live in their world and even interact with characters from other books. Those dreams have come true, and those girls are now grown, but their imaginations are still filled with the magic of childhood, and every week they like to take an adventure beyond Storybrooke. Welcome to Beyond Storybrooke. I'm Trina. And I'm Addie. And we're here to discuss episode 14 of Once Upon a Time called Unforgiven, which aired March 8th, 2015. And this show is brought to you by GoldenSpiralMedia.com. All right, Eddie. So before we do anything, let's just start with a quick recap. And then we'll dive into everybody's feedback and what happened or did not happen on this right. episode. All right. Okay. Give it to us. In fairy tale land, Maleficent, Cruella, and Ursula enlist the help of Snow and Charming to stop Regina and the Dark Curse. They need the two most valiant people to go to the Tree of Wisdom and ask how they can defeat the evil queen. But to everyone's surprise, Snow and Charming are not the valiant ones they're thought to be, due to Snow being with Child, who has a potential for great darkness. Maleficent shows up in Snow's bedroom to confess that she too is with Child and asks that they work together to defeat Regina. But Snow refuses her and does not want to go through evil means to save both their children. Snow would rather risk the whole kingdom to protect her child from darkness. In Storybrooke, everyone seems to be keeping a secret from Emma, while Cruella and Ursula set a trap for Snow and Charming by stealing the dark curse, leading them to Maleficent's ashes. They seem to be one step ahead, but little do they know, they were lured into the cave only to be used to resurrect Maleficent with their blood. Now that Maleficent is loose, Snow and Charming's secret is at risk, but Maleficent doesn't care about that. She wants Snow to suffer. Regina and Henry are one step closer to finding the author, thanks to Marco handing over August's things. Henry now has a picture of where the author could be. Snow secretly meets with Regina to let her know Maleficent is resurrected and asks her to infiltrate their plans so they can stop them. Snow also confides in Regina, revealing the secret that Emma has a great potential for darkness and that because of her and Charming, Maleficent lost her child. That was a great recap. And you know what? There's a lot of mixed feelings going about this episode. The mixed feelings that we personally have, you and I, Trina, and then you as a listener, Justina, Eliana, Chris, Laterags, you guys all gave us your feedback, which thank you. Thank you so much for turning those uh, in via email, Justina, which we will play your awesome uh, voicemail. And also over at the Facebook group, thank you so much for putting out your feedback there, you guys. It, it means a lot to keep this show going that way because an episode like this it demands for us to talk about it. Like, what happened? Why didn't they give us this feedback? Also, another shout out to Faith. Thank you so much for sharing that article. I'm always bringing up Lost in and out of these episodes. <laughs> so thank you for that cool article. If you want to go ahead and check out the article, it's over at the Facebook group. And it's basically an article of the little cues that they put inside Once Upon a Time that's from Lost. So I kind of right. geeked out on that, and I really love that post. <laughs> So Faith, once again, thank you so much. So before we start jumping into these mixed feelings and discussing the rest of the show, I wanted to highlight how we all rated this show so far. I'm going to start first. Mine is a 5 out of 10 Maleficent Rattle. And I give it a 7.5 DeVille's Sweet Ride. Chris Tipton gives it a 7 out of 10 Chisel Chins. <laughs> and... 
Justina gives it an eight out of 10 pound puppies and fish sticks. That's a good one. I, I was going to use that. Yeah. The, those those are funny remarks. Uh, the pound puppies and fish sticks comes from Corella, right? No, that comes from Regina. Oh, that's right. Which and, then, should... and then the chiseled chin comes from Corella. Yes, yes, that's yes, right. That's yeah. right. All right. So let's dive into Justina's feedback. Hi, this is Justina for Beyond Storybook. My episode rating for this week, 8 out of 10 pound puppies and fish sticks. I totally loved that quote. I thought it was hilarious. I agree with Eliana and Lady Rags who posted in the Facebook group that it's possible that Lily may be Maleficent's daughter. I really think that Lana Perea knocked it out of the park this week with her acting. She was so convincing when she was yelling at Pinocchio and also convincing on the other side of the scale when she was apologizing for her bad behavior. I can't wait to see her go undercover with the bad guys. I think that's going to be super fun. Robert Carlyle's acting as well is wonderful. He has the ability to make the viewer feel bad for him, even though no one stole his happy ending from him. He took it from himself, from his choices. But the look that he had when he saw Will kissing Belle still broke my heart. Speaking of Will, I am still really wondering what happened to Anastasia and what brought him here to Storybrooke. He already had his happy ending in Wonderland. Something serious must have happened to bring him back to Storybrooke, and I can't wait to know the answer. When Henry was going through August's stuff, and he found the picture of the door with the sticky note that said author next to it, it brought me back to Jefferson and Jefferson's hat and the room with all the doors in it. So I wonder if this photo is an indication that the author is in another realm and they're going to have to portal to find him. And will this bring back Jefferson, or at least his hat? Seeing Maleficent transform through all three forms she has been in the show, Maleficent herself, the Wraith, and the Dragon, was such a cool set of special effects. Have a magical week! Wow, that's some great feedback. A lot of what she said is, is what I was thinking as well, and some other people. Eliana, Lady Rags. As Justina mentioned herself, she agrees with um, regards to Lily and things like that. So this is what I think would be best for the rest of the show is that as we go through these main points that we want to discuss, we'll incorporate Eliana's Chris and Lady Rag's feedback along with Justina. Um, We just heard her feedback, which is amazing. So let's just jump right into it. What do you want to talk about first? Well, let's first talk about what everybody's talking about is that Lily is Maleficent's daughter. And when I saw that, I thought the same exact thing. And I remember in past seasons, I remember even when we taped or recorded that mm-hmm. Lily's somebody's daughter. I thought Regina, so I got the wrong villain, but... Very close. Pretty close, right? Yeah. So that's exciting to see. And I think everybody is on the same page with that. And Lady Bragg says it best in her feedback. She says that, I do think that Lily is Maleficent's daughter because Annie said it was possible that she would be seen again. 
I do not think they did not have Emma and Lily meet up in 4A and not be a significant significant encounter. Lily would be of similar age as Emma. To me, that makes sense that Lily was the daughter of Maleficent. Lily said that she felt Emma a kindred spirit. She felt a connection. I think magic attracts magic. People from the enchanted forest slash magical places seem to find each other. For example, Belfire and Emma and now Lily and Emma. Mm -hmm. Completely agree. I agree too. And I think just look at the similarities between the two characters. That's why they met, right? Because they were both troubled with their past. They don't feel like they're at home. Right. They were both, they don't know their real parents or they didn't know at the time. And they feel like, they feel that way. We know that as a viewer, they feel that they're not at home because they're not really from the real world. They're from the Enchanted Forest. Right. And do you remember the scar that she had? Or I don't remember. But Lily had like some kind of scar or something on her hand. I think that's going to come into play showing that she, it is connected to Maleficent somehow. Mm-hmm. Also, what I'm interested to know is what actress Plays. would play older Lily? Yeah. That would be that would be interesting to see. If we see any articles of them casting somebody new, that can be our our uh, trigger. Yeah, our spoiler alert. I like that Justina pointed out about Lana's acting. It was really really good. I I totally agree 100%. We see the old Regina come out for a little bit, which made me laugh and feel bad for the kid. <laughs> is, is your head still made out of wood? <laughs> and then you see her go into the humbling, you know, Enough to go over and apologize. And that's when you know the evil queen doesn't exist at this current moment. Right. She has, you know, redeemed herself into a a hero, really. I think that's the struggle, too. And her conversation with Marco about Marco pretty much telling her off, like, maybe, don't you get it? Maybe you don't deserve a happy ending. With all the evil you have done, do you really think you deserve one? And, you know, the, the scene with Pinocchio, it just kind of reminds you that that's who Regina used yeah. to be. It was normal for us to see that character come out of Lana. And I, when he said that, I kind of thought to myself, like, hmm, you have a point. Who else feels that way that you that Regina, people like Regina and Rumpel don't deserve a happy ending after everything that they did? But the only difference is that Regina kind of she's trying to be a hero she's trying to be good because she fell in love so now she deserves to be happy like everybody else when she hurt the hearts and love of other people uh, well, okay so i think i, think I would to, be mad too if i was in story of course <laughs> i mean of all the evil that she's done yeah. and even it's funny too when uh, cruella and Ur- ursula tell her hey we need a heart ripping out over here i think eliana mentions that somewhere in her dialogue or in her feedback that it was funny of all the little yeah, wits that wits they throw, that they out, throw there. out there. And, you know, she's like, okay, Henry, go wait for me. And then you see it turn on them. And not just her, like, Lana's acting with not Mar- not just the Marco and Pinocchio scene, but with even just Cruella and Ursula, she switches, like, mayor mode, serious, Yeah, don't F with me. And, you know, when she's talking to Henry, it's different. When she's talking to Snow, it's kind of, You brought you know, that up joking. when she... Um, talked to the Charmings and said, I have bigger things to do. Go ahead and take that up to the, to, the sheriff. Uh, the sheriff. Yeah. Doesn't even say um, Emma, just she gets into the mode. Yeah. Like, you know what? Don't bother me right now. And I think putting on these different characters, she her acting is awesome, spot on. But um, as before we go further, I think that's what the creators are trying to show us. 
Like that is the big dilemma of this whole show right now. When, when do the bad guys deserve a happy ending? Are we on board with that? Do we feel okay with it? Because as they twist and turn the storyline, we have here someone as a perfect example. We now feel for Regina. We want her to have her happy ending with Robin. We want her to be in love. I think I brought it up in past episodes where I'm, I'm, I've am i been rooting for Regina because I think she deserves it. Right. But in the reality, that's not how all of this is ever written out. Can we really go find the author to change something like this? I think that's the bigger dilemma that the show is trying to show us. When does somebody actually deserve it? Does the he- does the villain become the hero? How forgiving is everybody? Not just the people in Storybrooke, but their fellow villain colleagues. That's when they kind of it's kind of that um, analogy of uh, the the uh, what are they called lobsters in the bucket? They bring down each other because they don't <laughs> they don't believe that they deserve that. I think that's just a strong message that the writers are trying to show us right now. I agree with you that we root for Regina. I always root for her. I'm evil Regal all the way, Team Regina. Yeah. And I think it's it's hard because we see her change, but we don't see the new villains change. We don't we don't know enough about the new villains quite yet. All we see is the bad side. With Regina, we've seen all sides. Yeah. Past, present. We've seen her change from different, you know, different roles, different hats, how she treats different people different ways. Yeah. And something else you did also say, Addie, is that can we find the author and do they have the ability to change the storyline? That made me think August was able to take pages and insert it into the book. So definitely you could change the story or have some kind of something maybe altered or shown in the book. That was the leading aha moment in this episode with Regina and Henry that he was able to do that. Why can't we, right? So that's their mission is... You know, after her fight and argument <laughs> with the little boy, Pinocchio, and then goes to um, and apologize to Marcos, he actually says, here, maybe you find answers in this. Because I think August came a part of the show in season one, right? That was part of his journey that he came into town. I think he was the one interested in Emma. But he was on this journey the whole time to change the story. So. Yeah, because as we... as we reveal at or they reveal at the end when Henry's going through his things, he had a a theory on where the author could be. Yeah, he was on the hot lead. And while we're on talking about the author, let's uh Justina mentions Jefferson. Yeah. And that's a good thing that I, I didn't even think about that. And I like that that's pretty insightful and it kind of brings to mind are they going to tie Jefferson back in? Because he kind of goes with Will's story a little bit. He, I think Jefferson might tie into Will's story and what happened to Anastasia because that's the whole Wonderland thing. But I just wanted to mention that real quick because she brings up Jefferson and thinking that the author could be in another, in another realm. So will Jefferson be coming back in future episodes? Yeah, that was really interesting. I didn't think about that. Nobody else really yeah. talked about that. So good catch, uh, Justina. I think that was really good. Now that you brought up the whole thing with Anastasia, <laughs> we see this scene at the very end with Belle and Will kissing. Now, Eliana, uh, Eliana, Chris, and I believe Lady Rags, I can get this wrong, I'm sorry, you guys, but 
Uh, you guys all brought it up like, wow, that kind of came out of nowhere. It did. When I saw that, I was like, well, when did that happen? They need to do a, a backstory there. It's just all of a sudden. I know six weeks supposedly have passed, but that's a good little twist. And like Chris says, whoa. So here's my theory. And I've been, I didn't want to tell you until <laughs> we started recording this episode because Corella and Ursula meet back up with Rumpel. And he pretty much asked, like, hey, how did how did your meet with uh, Belle go? Because he's interested to see. He wants feedback. Like, can you tell me anything about her? Does she miss me? Does she mention me? That was kind of that conversation. And Corella says something interesting. She, she says, she's moved on, um, darling. And that kind of caught my attention. And then this scene happens with uh, both Belle and Will in the window. How convenient it's in the window so that Rumple can see them kissing. So I'm thinking Corella and Ursula somehow use some magic powers to make this illusion happen in the window to discourage Rumple from having his happy ending at that current moment because they want to keep him focused on the mission that they're currently on. It's more of a selfish, hey, you stay don't focused. stay focused because we still need to get what we get. We don't want you dipping us like you did last time. So let's make this illusion. Let's catch him off guard. Let's hurt him where it hurts because that will keep him evil to keep going forward with our plans. So that's my spin on it. it it's kind of a stretch, I think. But where did this story come from? I think that's a breadcrumb, so, we, <laughs> yeah. so, so to speak. That's a good theory or thought. I mean, it did come out of nowhere. And a lot of people said the same thing. I think, uh, and, and they all bring up the same question. Justina and Chris bring up the same question. Well, what happened to Anastasia? Something right. something must have happened or something must have went down to bring him back into Storybrooke. So that's going to be another, I think that's dropping a breadcrumb of what's to come. Yeah. I mean, that's not this storyline, but back to the whole illusion. I don't know. It's a stretch, <laughs> but it's a good, I mean, I like the idea. It makes sense. But a part of me, and I hate to say it, Part of me thinks that Cruella and Ursula aren't that forward thinking. You can tell they're always the sidekicks. Like yeah. Maleficent's back. Oh, that's the side. You know, they, they, they're like in the background. I kind of thought the same thing. And remember, Cruella doesn't actually have powers. Her power is persuasion. So is she persuading him to stay off guard? I don't know. I don't know. But I, I kind of thought about that. Like, wait, they don't have those type of powers like Regina and uh, who was it in our previous past? Um, Zelina, where she can make illusions like that happen. Right, right. They right. don't have those powers. So I kind of thought about that. I put that into consideration. But just about anything can happen in Storybrooke. Okay, so since we're talking about all these villains, I think Chris rated the villains. Yes, you he did. Dive, dive into that real quick as, as what he rated. Okay, so Chris Tipton's rating of the villains is as follows. Number one, Corella. Number two, Rumple. Number three, Ingrid. Number four, Pan. Number five, Cora. Number six, Zelina. Number seven, Maleficent. And number eight, Ursula. And he says, I quote, I don't count Regina because she's no longer a villain, but when she was, she was obviously the best. And Greg and Tamara just sucked. So Chris obviously is a big fan of Cruella, and it's funny because he even says that it seems like every time a new villain comes along, that becomes his favorite. But 
And I just want to read real quick what he says. Cruella, she continued, continues to be absolutely stellar. Her cunning wit and snark easily rivals Regina in his opinion. He loves how she calls everyone darling, sort of parallel to Rumpel's dearie. Some highlights of her wanting to turn Granny into a fur coat. She wears blood diamonds, apparently, and she likes Charming's looks. She's by far the best of the villains, and he's still waiting on Ursula to become interesting at all. <laughs> I kind of agree with the Ursula thing. I, yeah. I She's kind of I'm not doing it for me as far as a villain goes. She's the sidekick of all sidekicks. Kind of just Correct. in for the ride. Not really doing anything other than stealing bo- the box. <laughs> And as far as Cruella's concerned, yeah, she's got little quips and good lines. And like I said, she got a sweet ride. But I don't know if she's one of the best quite yet. And I'm I'm a big Regina fan, and I know you rated her as number one. But I would also say Maleficent is up there. I think as she starts to unfold, and maybe I'm, again, biased because I, I just like that character. But right. I think my number one so far of the history of villains uh, for Once Upon a Time is Zelina. Because she wouldn't, when she had that hope for change, she didn't take it completely. She just was so sucked into her envy and jealousy. Yeah. And I, I think that's the that's the cause of becoming a villain. You're so right. jealous. You're so angry. And you just can't overcome that. And we've seen kind of the ups and downs of a lot of these villains. But Zelina's kind of the one who stayed on course with how mad and evil she was. So she's the one who, in my book, stayed as a villain in my eyes the whole time. That's kind of scary. I would, me. <laughs> I would say, yeah. If if you were picking like the the villain we hate the most, like you just love to hate because they're that damn evil and mm-hmm. that damn good. It w- to me it would be Zelina and Pan. Yeah, Pan. I yeah. hated Pan both was of a, them. Yeah, punk. All right, sorry, we're off on a tangent, but <laughs> okay, let's get back to this episode here because there's so much to say, and we're getting a little bit off track. So let's jump into the big, not so big secret and character that this is surrounding. And it's our um, dearest Swan, a.k.a. Emma. Don't you feel, I feel bad for her in this episode because she's literally in the dark about everything. Everybody's keeping a secret from her, her own parents, her boyfriend, and they don't want to say anything. And she senses something, but... She's still naive about the whole thing. I I thought that at this point, if she felt funny about something, she would kind of uh, understand the red flags and say, hey, something else is going on here. But this is her effort trying to be like her parents. And she brings that up when she's talking to Hook. Hey, you know, they've taught me that try to see the good in people. So she's trying to practice and exercise that right. at a time where everybody's kind of playing her the fool. And if she ever finds out, it could really turn her and close her in. Because at this moment, she is completely open. And I like that scene when she's talking to Hook and Snow and Charming are at the door, ready to tell her the truth, ready to tell her everything. And she's telling him, you know, I've always been closed off. I've always been let down. And I want to be more like my parents. Yeah. Who see the best in people, even at their worst. And it's like, oh, I'm not going to say anything now. Yeah, but I love what Eliana said, and I'm going to read what she said. Um, Will Emma really be mad at them for doing everything they can to protect her from becoming a villain? In other words, would she be mad for her parents being parents? Right, and that is a good point. Like, what? Why is it now that 
the two people who always see the good in things and always saw the power in telling the truth now can't even hold that standard to their own kid. When has that become a problem? When they became parents. Just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the second time around. <laughs> the second time around. But I, I like that she says that because it's like, come on. It's true. How is that so troubling? Why can't they just be honest with her? She, of all people, is very understanding. And it, it kind of brings up, too. A, okay, so there's they went at great lengths to protect her. Mm-hmm. That's all they say. Yeah. And they don't even, we still <laughs> we don't, know. don't know at this moment what really happened other than because of us, the Charmings, Maleficent lost her child. It wasn't because of us we killed or yeah. we are the, we are responsible for the death of Maleficent's right. kid. It's the other way around. They kind of put a twist on it. Pay attention to the words lost. Lost doesn't mean that they killed her. So, where again, I, I totally agree with uh, Ileana. Like, what's the big secret? Come on. <laughs> I know there's no reveal. The secret is there's still secret. I hope they live up to it. I think as Eliana said and Chris, like you can't build something up so big for it to be that, oh, well. We made her lose a child. Yeah. Because uh, something accidentally slipped or the curse went or the uh, spell that we tried to use to help us went wrong. First of all, we don't know. We don't know how. That's the big question. Mm-hmm. We know the what. They, she, her, Their actions made her lose her child, but how? Right. We don't know how. You know, did she stop them? Was Maleficent at the tree, the wardrobe? And when they put Emma in, they stopped her from putting her baby in. You know, for all now that we know that Lily is possibly Maleficent's daughter, she's probably in another realm somewhere and made her lose her child right. into another realm right. is probably what it is. And... As bad as they're feeling, I always feel like as bad as Snow and Charming are feeling about or guilty about doing something, what they actually did is really not that big. It's always indirectly. It's not like they actually took a knife and killed the kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. And one thing that I I also want to discuss here is how humbling is it that we're seeing Maleficent actually ask Snow for help? Mother to mother. That's pretty much what she's saying. Come on for the kids. Can we please do this? So I want to dive into that I felt bad. That's when I actually felt bad for Maleficent. Okay. And she tells her, I don't want to become like you. But in a way, didn't she become like her to deny her? Mm -hmm. But what was wrong? And there must be some other means besides dark magic for them to save both of their children. So at that point, I was like, wait a minute. Being that you're open... Or you, you know, you're the hero and you're valiant. You don't want to help somebody else because they're a villain. I mean, at that point, they are both the same. They're both mothers trying to protect protect their children. So why not team up if they can find a way to stop Regina's curse? So I can, and then at that point too, you kind of feel bad for Maleficent, like you said. But I can see how other people think, "Wow, the Charmings are so self righteous and judgmental," and you know what I mean, like. That's how I felt about uh, that's that very same scene that you brought up right now. When Snow said that out of her mouth, I was like, wow, how, wow. I just, that's pretty much what came to mind. And when they went to the tree, that's when I thought like, okay, you know, this is, they're so quick to kind of just trust what the villains are saying and said, okay, <laughs> let's go right. help them out. But then you see this scene with Snow and she kind of sticks to her guns and says, no, I'm not going to help you. And that's what kind of shocked me about Snow White. And 
it kind of brings us back to the present moment. What happened? What really happened that this is now a, such a big secret? Was it that the, the very same fact that she just couldn't, didn't want to help Maleficent? Is that the big secret? I hope not. That I is, that not is a very bad big secret. Yeah. So it has to be something else. But if that's it, my gosh. Again, we have to not be let down, be patient, but come on, don't let us down. It should all connect in the end somehow. We just have to be patient because somehow, somewhere they'll all connect. But sometimes there seems to be plot holes in the story. Ah, good segue. Yes. So Lady Rags mentions a couple plot holes that I just want to mention here real quick. Mm Mm-hmm. So when Charming went to implant the egg into Maleficent the dragon in season one, he did not recognize her. Now we're supposed to believe that he met her prior to that scene right after the honeymoon. They are rewriting the once history. Nowhere was it hinted that Snow and Charming knew or had contact with Maleficent. Plot hole number two. In the scene where Regina and Maleficent fight over the curse, they said at that time Regina had the curse, then gave it to Maleficent and Regina wanted it back. Now we are having Maleficent getting the curse for Rumple. Hmm. Yeah. That's an interesting thought. I think that's what's upsetting some some of the viewers. Like, come on, what are you guys doing to our story? You're not even sticking to what you created. Right. But at the same time, and maybe my timeline's off, but there's really no sometimes there's no time frame. Right. I think that's why it's loosely you right. know, mentioned far, you know, um long, long ago. Many or, years ago yeah. in a different realm or whatever. Yeah, it's... And I think for that very same reason, why they put, you know, long time ago, a long, long time ago, they put those things so that we don't hold the writers so tightly to their own storyline yeah. because they, there are shifts, you know, this has happened before this happened and then this happened way, way before this happened. Yeah, it's all scattered and you don't right. know where it all so we, this is where we have to be cautious and not feed much, too much into the storyline because it, this is why they write it that way. We can't get stuck to a, a timeline. That's why I, I think, I don't know, in my opinion, I would go insane trying to create a timeline because that timeline will pretty much be up to any variant. I yeah, think. was it a long time ago or a long, long time ago? Right. And, and then how long, long time ago? <laughs> yeah. How long is long, long time ago? Right. But I do understand what Lady Rags is saying yeah. because at that point when he did slip that egg in there, he didn't, they didn't seem to know. And I completely agree. And also the second uh, plot twist that she mentioned, as far as Regina had the dark curse, gave it to Maleficent, then Regina wanted it back. And now Maleficent's going to go get it for Rumpel, not for herself. So I'm like, yeah, that's I, I, loophole, plot hole. I, I totally understand. Yeah. Kind of have to just feed into whatever they're giving us at the present moment in in the storyline. Going back to Emma, uh, not only is her parents keeping secrets from her, but so is Hook. Yes. So there is a past with Hook and Ursula, which is kind of weird to me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it kind of makes sense. And he says, you know, it's my times on the sea. Right. He's at the sea and she's the sea witch. So convenient. Right. And she asks, uh, Huck, you know, did you break her heart? Is that, was that the damage that you did to her? And he says, no worse. And I was thinking, okay, what would be worse than breaking somebody's heart? And that would be, um, be fathering a child with them and then leaving them or somehow, I don't know, being, not being responsible for the child that you 
you brought into this world. But where would that child be? That's another, that's another secret, a big secret, I think, that will come in. And I think that's when we'll start to see more of Ursula's story and we'll understand the significance of why is she in the season. Are we going to finally get a taste of who she really is? Because at this point, Ursula is kind of just a, I'm sorry to say, a dud in yeah, this whole t- total background. Yeah. So I think this is where we bring, they bring in Ursula's story. And that's the big, whoa, you they're, know. They're planting the seed for her story is what they're doing. Yeah. Because you know, Herc and Ursula had a past of some sort. And it's something really bad went down. But what exactly is it? We don't know yet. Yeah. And that, I thought that was kind of, um, that was a, the sad, that was the sad point for me. Kind of seeing like, wow, here she is falling in love with Huck. He's lying to her. She knows and she tries to forgive him. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's like, no, don't let him off so easy. Talk about it. And then you have your parents lying to you. I don't know. I just feel really bad for Emma. She's an innocent person. She's human, as we all kind of agree. Yeah. So yeah, let's touch on that real quick. The other secret that she must not know is that she has a great potential for darkness. Everybody does. Right. I have the potential for darkness and, and greatness. So does Emma. So does Henry. I'm like, what's wrong with that? <laughs> I didn't, that, that to me was like, so she knows that everybody. And yeah. And she, she had a it. taste of that when, once again, I brought this up in the last episode of Beyond Storybrooke. Emma brought that up with Anna. You know, here she is trying to be good, but then it, it's these events that make her bad. And she tries to resist it. And then that's when the whole thing with her hands went out of control and she right. couldn't even touch Henry. It's the same story. Just on the other extreme. Right. <laughs> but so yeah, that, that big, big secret's not such a big secret. No. It's, it's very much, again, where what are they trying to feed us into the storyline? Because so far, we're hungry for, for the story and the crumbs aren't doing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> and one thing I do want to mention too before we move on and Chris brought it up is Maleficent's resurrection so he thought it was handled pretty well and I think Justine also mentioned when she was resurrected that her the Maleficent's three selves yeah transformation trans, the transformation and I didn't catch that I mean I don't know if I wasn't watching really close but I didn't catch that at all and that, that's a that's a good little metaphor of all her three selves transforming into what she is now I totally agree. And I love the, the effects that they actually use. Yeah. I kind of, we kind of personally, Trina and I always joke around about how lame the effects that they use on this show. Because you can see it's a green, you can see the green screen. Yeah. You can see the green screen on their faces. There's that green hue over their effects and then the outline of their right. body. Yeah. It's greenish. So when they did that effect, when Ursula becomes the dragon, that's the best effects that I've seen this show <laughs> yeah. do yeah. with their, with their magic there. One thing, too, that Crest mentions is it's pretty convenient and easy that all they needed was her ashes and Snowing's blood to resurrect her. Uh, I don't think it was that easy. They they had to... Corella slashes their hands. Well, it makes them bleed. Well, true. But here's the thing. When you try to bring somebody back, there's there's a lot more to it than just that. That's I don't true. Know. That's I probably was, one of the easiest resurrections that right, we've seen. Get their blood and put it on the ashes and here she is. Yeah. And again, I feel like I feel like the when somebody dies or goes away, they're not really 
dead. They're not really dead or gone. They're not done yet with the <laughs> no, story. There's they always will... something. They're resurrected. And Lady Rags mentions that too. That she's not buying buying the whole thing. Um, that bringing her back to life just doesn't work for her. The one scene that did touch me on this episode was the scene when Maleficent is put the rattle together and even rattles it as in a way of like, are you out there? Can you come to me? Come to, come to mama baby pretty much. And I was like, Oh man, that sucks. And she even starts to cry and you just see Ursula and Corella kind of there with her in that moment. And I was like, wow, I think that was the most powerful scene of the whole episode. That didn't happen. Yeah. But we see Maleficent who's really evil and mean you see this very vulnerable sense of yeah. her of like, I, I just wanted my child. There's no soft side of her in, until that moment. And yeah. I, now that you bring that up, I wonder, do, do Cruella and Ursula know about the child? I know in the past she said that they don't know. She didn't tell him because she was only telling Snow that she was with child. So I wonder if they even know she has a daughter. Well, I think they know now. They have to know now. You, think you don't so? think so? I don't think so yet. I think so. And I think it's just going to make their their whole um, mission to have their happy ending stronger. So, so maybe that's one of the... Okay, so you, last episode you asked, what is everyone's happy ending? Maybe Maleficent's happy ending is to find... Her daughter. Her daughter. Yeah. And Ursula and something with Hook. Not maybe, together, but... Maybe her daughter or her uh, kid. I don't, that's a stretch. <laughs> and then Cruella, that remains to be seen, I think. We don't she know. She needs to I mean, find her Dalmatians. <laughs> Or Rottweilers. <laughs> yeah. One of those. Something happened. So that was your touching favorite scene. Mine was kind... My favorite scene was the whole montage at the end. Mm. And this is Snow talking to Regina secretly about, you know, just pretty much the secret and what Mal- Maleficent's resurrected and they need to her to go undercover. In that scene, we see... A montage of you see Hook and Emma happy and Reg- and Snow is saying, you know, that if you betray the people you love, you they see the worst part of you. What you've done changes everything. No going back. You've shattered every bond. And as she's saying all these things, we see Hook and Emma walking down the street happy. We see Rumple looking into the window and yeah. Belle and Will are kissing. And to me... I don't know. I just like that whole scene. And I also... It was well-directed. It was definitely well-directed. And at this point, too, I'm thinking, Snow, what are you doing? You're turning to Regina. This is Regina's struggle again. She's trying to be good. And you're telling her, go and... Be evil. Be be evil and find out what they're going to do so you can help me. But also, this this is the part where I, I don't understand what's going on. With the character of Snow White, because again, these are the parents who see the good in everybody. Yes, when you betray those that you love, there will be some hardship, but there's always forgiveness because those that you love, love you back so much to find forgiveness. So again, why isn't she just coming out clean with it? And yes, the whole thing with Regina, you're telling her, it's pretty much telling a, a, a drug addict to go back to drugs for a yeah, little bit just right. so they can have their way of right. of how, how things can plan out for them. So I think that's kind of very, uh, I don't know, not hypocritical, but I, I feel like Snow is using Regina in such a bad of course, way. Of course. So that, and this is where I come to, qu- or 
of course, of course, and this is where I think the lines between hero and villain are starting to blur. Yeah. Snow, who's a so-called so-called hero or on the good side, is trying to protect her happiness through not so good means. You know, they're not particularly evil, but they're not the best means. So what is the difference between a villain who wants to get their happy ending at the same kind of means? Yeah. So you're blurring, they're blurring it. They're absolutely, and that's why you say what's up with Snow because she's used to doing this and used to doing that. I think they're starting to blur the line because this hero is turning, you know, doing anything she can to protect her happiness. When the villains, they're going to cross into, you know, they're going to try to do anything to get their happiness. So at what point is the boundary of hero and villain? They're all one and the same, trying to get their happy ending. Awesome observation. Again, this is, I think, the journey that the writers are putting us on. Who is the real true villain here? Is there one? Is there one? And And are the heroes really heroes? Yes. Are the heroes really heroes? Are the villains really villains? Who deserves their happy ending? Why do some deserve to have their way and others don't? That's the battle. That's, as you said, uh, I think perfectly, the lines are becoming blurred. And now for a game changer. So in this episode, to me, the game changer that I see is probably when Henry finds that page with the author, with the page that could potentially tell him where the author is. From August's uh, discovery, right? Right. That was it. Well, my game changer is that there is no game changer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because so far every episode there is a little game changer, whether it's you know, it's it's like a, a big blimp that happens like, oh, man, that's a huge game changer or like, oh, that's definitely a game changer. This time it's like, where's the game changer? There's no game changer. Uh, the, the only thing that made me feel something was watching Maleficent in her rattle. That's the only thing that, that was a game changer feeling wise. But story wise, there is no game changer. And that's a game changer in itself is that what are the writers doing are we being too hard on them for one episode? Maybe. There's always that one episode in every season that's kind of a filler or kind of like a letdown. I think you're being hard on them. Yeah. Just- <laughs> yeah, maybe. But, but uh, again, we are just we just want some questions answered and we didn't get that in this episode. And with it coming to an end, we want answers uh, quick. So- There's no time for any more fillers. That's pretty much what I think everybody's feeling right now. So I think this is just setting up. This episode had a lot of crumbs, had a lot of little bits and pieces of what's to come later on. Not necessarily this season, but in in the once in the one storyline. But as we're talking about game changer, maybe the game changer is that that Regina has to go to the dark side to help the heroes. And I think that's what everybody's looking forward to next week is her turning evil, so to speak. The previews kind of teases us that way. That's right. But we don't really know if it does make her go back to the dark side. Because I think that's what it's teasing. Hey, she's going to pretend go undercover as a villain. But but will going undercover keep her there? Will it tempt her? Yeah. Tempt her to do what she needs to do to find the author? Yeah, to keep her to be a villain to get her way. Is that what's the big game changer is going to happen? I don't know. I don't think so. Because I think she's come so far. She starts to feel it. She's become so humble enough to 
go on this crazy rant on this little kid, but then go apologize to her, to the dad. And it was so heartfelt, she even cried. So I think Regina's come too far to kind of give in to the darkness now. So we'll just have to find out next week. Yes. Until next time, this show is Beyond Storybrook, brought to you by goldenspiralmedia.com, where you can find more podcasts for your entertainment needs. Thanks for listening. Thank you.